Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin as we discuss the big developments concerning Liverpool and Jude Bellingham. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So this week there's been some big news in Liverpool's pursuit of Jude Bellingham, and we're going to be offering our reaction to all of those updates. Before that, though, Let's start with the recent glimpse we've had of Bellingham at the World Cup. Um, obviously, he's very much been standing out for England. They were going to be playing France in the quarterfinals at the weekend. But, but Chris, what aspects of his game, you know, watching him maybe more on a consistent basis now um, with England and, and surrounded by these sort of Premier League players, what aspects of his game that maybe he didn't appreciate before have stood out to you kind of on this stage for England? Hi, Dave. Um, it's probably easier to say what parts of his game haven't impressed me, which is nothing. <laughs> he, he has been incredible. He's been absolutely incredible at this tournament. Um, and, and I know you say kind of in terms of the viewing of him, it's a bit easier now with uh, with him being at the World Cup. But for someone like myself, and I'm not proclaiming to be an expert on Jude Bellingham at all, but I watch a lot of European football. I watch a lot of the Bundesliga in particular and what a lot of people are waking up to now is what we are seeing in in this tournament that he is just a phenomenal talent. Um, This season, what he has done, which was the criticism, I would say, if any criticism beforehand was he's added that that forward thrust to his game. He's ordered, he's uh, added those assists, he's added those goals and Against Iran, I think everyone really sat up and, and took notice just how he bossed the midfield. You know, we, we are talking against any international team at the World Cup stage. We're talking 19-year-old bossing it in midfield, and I mean bossing it. I, I don't, I haven't seen a moment so far in this tournament where he's looked phased by the opposition. I haven't seen a moment where he's looked flustered. I think he's always been in control. There was even one part against the round where it was a bad touch, but he managed to recover it really well. It was quite early on in the game. And he's just gone from strength to strength after that. And, you know, we, we could eat, we could probably, in terms of your question, we could probably talk for about an hour in terms of what's impressed me about Jude Bellingham. But I would say what has stood out to me more at this World Cup than at Borussia Dortmund, just that, that that kind of getting the, the dominance in the forward areas. Yes, he has scored more goals for Dortmund this season, but the consistent kind of presence, that, that dominance that he's showing. And, look, you know, we, we can risk being quite hyperbolic about some things, can't we? But I think everyone is seeing now Jude Bellingham for the talent that he is. And you say that, I feel as if, you know, if there were any sort of naysayers left in the case of Bellingham, which I'm not sure there will be at this stage, but if there were people sort of saying, you know, it's just the Bundesliga, you know, to, to perform there is one thing and maybe overlook his performance in the Champions League anyway. You can't simply say now that he's he's overhyped because, you know, he is kind of living up to, to all the billing at this tournament, really. You know, he he looks like pretty much a lock now for that young player of the tournament award, but obviously depending maybe on what happens the weekend against France, but you might even see him in the in the running for the the full golden ball um, at the rate he's yeah. gone, depending on how it pans out. Which, but Liverpool obviously has its uh, benefits and 
and drawbacks in terms of, you know, everyone said if the World Cup goes really well for him, his price tag's going to go up. Well, that, that's certainly the way it's panning out. And in terms of what stood out to me, I'd say to engage with your sort of point, first of all, about the, the goals and the assists, I think what's interesting is last year it was very much about assists for Bellingham. I think it was, oh, this is straight off the top of my head, I think it was roughly sort of six goals, 14 assists, which is obviously, you know, elite numbers in Europe in terms of creativity. But this season, it's almost like flipped around a bit. And I think he had sort of nine, ten goals um, for Dortmund before the season pause, obviously scored for England too at the World Cup. So there's been more of an emphasis on getting him, not necessarily as the one playing the final pass, but receiving it now as well. Um, and he definitely has sort of the, the versatility within the midfield to be effective in almost every third of the pitch. But I think that's the number one thing. Um, Sorry, Dave, I was just going to say, there's one game that stuck out to me this season so far at the Etihad against Manchester City. Mm. If City hadn't scored those two late goals, it wasn't even a competition for man of the match. Yeah. He, he absolutely bossed it that night for Dortmund. And just because you know John Stone scores a scream and Erling Haaland, who, by the way, we're talking about Bundesliga attacks, you know, he's put that to bed. Um, it, yeah. it does help, obviously, the quality of the team that you're in, but that game in particular against Manchester City, and he stood out so brightly. And that's the ability that we're talking about. And I think you look at that and you say, you know, the, the most difficult club game in the world probably this season, that or Real Madrid. I'm playing not necessarily for England. You know, every game so far he's played for England, they've been the favourites. That game, Dortmund are, are very much the underdogs. And um, the one thing that struck me, I think, when I watched them in that game, I, I literally just... Um, was scrolling back almost through my Twitter feed there because I remember putting a tweet out about Bellingham's performance that night and I was talking about how he was sort of all over the place on the pitch in terms of, you know, defending his own box, making runs down the wing, you know, popping up in the other team's area. And and that is the thing for me. It's I, I never like to just almost pigeonhole players as an athlete, but, you know, everyone has rightly talked about his source of maybe technical abilities, but he is just absolutely you know, phenomenal specimen as well in terms of, you know, he's he's got pace. I think that's the thing that's been overlooked. He really has acceleration, he, you know, so much running power, incredible balance as well. I think all of this makes him really effective, especially when, when he turns the ball over or, or his team does it and he has a space to run into. It's almost a little bit like De Bruyne-esque at times, the way you can just kind of shrug off his man and, and accelerate away from him and avoid any attempts for a sort of a tactical foul. And also, you know, he's right up there when it comes to, um, you know, distance covered and things like that. You know, he is just a, incredible athletically. And rightly or wrongly, a lot of people have pointed out this season that Liverpool's running numbers haven't been sort of up to scratch in terms of they seem to be outrun by the opposition quite a bit. Well, I don't think that's necessarily going to be a problem if you have um, Bellingham in your midfield. But um, we'll move on to the actual sort of transfer stuff now which is obviously the, the Liverpool focus side of it and I should say first of all that I've got all of these updates from the Anfield talk on Twitter who are um, brilliant accounts to follow to, to keep track of any sort of transfer related really and we've got some news from from journalists who they've given their sort of green light so indicating that they are all very reliable interestingly a lot they're all sorts of European journalists too um, as opposed to British ones so it just goes to show you that you're not always going to get the scoop, maybe first of all, from, from the local journalist that there is, especially with Bellingham and so many clubs interested in him. There's going to be kind of noises coming from 
all over the continent. But let's start with probably the big news. And this is from uh, Christian Falk, um, who I believe is from Sport Build in Germany. And he says that Bellingham prefers a move to Liverpool, even if Liverpool don't qualify for the Champions League. So, Chris, how reassuring is that? And how worried were you? And, you know, with all of this, we will take it at face value because, like I say, these are established as reliable journalists. But how worried were you that Liverpool might be less attractive to Bellingham if they were on the Europa League side next year? Extremely is the answer. When when I heard that, my first reaction was surprise, to be honest, because Jude Bellingham is a Champions League quality player. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. And the thought of him not playing in the Champions League is just strange, really. And if any, I, I, I don't know if you've seen the video, Dave, as well, of him talking about, you know, you can have all the money in the world from football, you can have all the cars and all that kind of stuff. But Jude Bellingham's focus in his career is to create memories, to you know, have achievements in the game. And don't get me wrong, if he went to Real Madrid or Manchester City, you can best believe he'd achieve an awful lot. But in terms of to say he favours a move to Liverpool, I mean, it, 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 you know, it's almost not, not too good to be true, maybe it's the wrong word, but it, it just feels remarkable that he's that, you know, maybe ingrained in the idea of Liverpool's project in terms of, you know, working with Jurgen Klopp work, you know, certainly for the next few years up until 2026, um, working with the, the young talents at the club, knowing that he would be immovable from the team, because that's also a factor. You look at Real Madrid and Manchester City, and of course I would expect Jude Bellingham to make a big impact at both of those clubs. But then you look at, say, for example, Jack Grealish, who went to Manchester City for £100 million. And any other club, arguably in the world, you go there for £100 million, you start every single game, no debate. But that's not been the case with Jack Grealish. If Liverpool were to spend the rumoured amounts on Jude Bellingham, you best believe he's probably, aside from maybe Van Dijk and Alisson, the, the first name on the team sheet really and it, it it's reassuring as you say it, it's all about taking up a pinch of salt no point in getting you know ahead of ourselves or anything along that nature because there is still a long way to go and you can bet your bottom dollar that the likes of Manchester City the likes of Real Madrid will keep pushing but if it's true that the family uh, the family are having a big influence as well apparently and we uh, w- w- I saw Jude Bellingham took going into the World Cup talking about Steven Gerrard being his hero and that's a fantastic thing to hear uh, from a, from a Liverpool perspective so yes it was surprising was the very first emotion that I felt the first reaction that I had but uh, a good stepping stone it has to be said if it is indeed true and a couple of things to say on that um in terms of polling power, you you can see that Manchester United, you know, a club of, of similar stature to Liverpool, obviously have been in and out the Champions League really over the past few years. But one thing that has you have to admit stayed constant is their ability to attract players within that, and I think it's partly the belief that they will return there inevitably given their size. And while that hasn't always happened with Manchester United, you can probably be more confident 
with that underclap at Liverpool. You know, even you look at last summer ahead of a Europa League campaign, they're signing Casemiro, who, who's leaving Real Madrid basically of his own volition, um, not being forced out in any way. Really, it felt like um, to go and play for to go and play for United and. On the sorts of the reasons that there has been a few um, reports about it, and I think in terms of the the point you make, Chris, about the space being there in the midfield, you look at the team and and say a Liverpool four three three. The vacancy for Bellingham is is the RCM position, um, the right sided number eight, and the thing is Jordan Henderson plays plays there really in the strongest team. You know, he, he's he's the captain of the side, but at this stage of his career and given the length of pool would have to go to financially uh, and sort of almost just the amount of time they have to put in to get Bellingham, it doesn't feel like it, it's going to be too much of a contest for that spot and maybe that sees Henderson's role in the squad change a little bit, but we don't really know fully how it, it would pan out, but let's look at some of the reported reasons why Bellingham might have been convinced. So there's a few here. Um, we've got Christian Falk saying that um, he wants to be a leader at Liverpool um, and that he's bought into the long-term project after speaking to Klopp, who's obviously a huge weapon for Liverpool when it comes to recruitment. You know, if it almost feels like at any time in nine out of 10 cases, a player speaks to him, then, you know, he wins them over. And then there's also Matteo Moretto uh, reporting that Klopp wants to give Bellingham, quote, the keys to his midfield, which again is like that pitch and almost saying to him, making the player feel as important as possible. Uh, and, you know, at the age of 19, that you basically invest in so much faith in him. I think that is quite attractive to a player. So on top of that, Chris, what reasons do you think Liverpool are appealing to him in a race against Man City and Real Madrid? And as much as all that is probably... A lot of, a lot of the motives are going to be sort of sporting, maybe a little bit financial, maybe strategical, things like that. But... You hinted on it there, maybe in terms of the intangible element too. And that'd be cases leaving at the end of the season by the looks of it. What shirt number does he wear? Number eight, who else wore that shirt number? And just happens to be Bellingham's idol. Mm-hmm. Could that be the kind of thing that sways him as well? You know, the opportunity to, to follow in the footsteps of Gerard. So why do Liverpool reportedly um, have that extra allure in the race for Bellingham, do you think, compared to those two are the massive um, forces who want him as well. Do you think it helps that there's two agents in the camp? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, they, they've done a they've done a brilliant job. You have to say, you know, it, it, deliber- deliberately course, or otherwise, but, uh, yeah, yeah, deliberately yeah. or other, you know, whether they've been put up to it or not. Um, yeah. I wrote an article about that the other day, actually. And if you go through the transfers over the years, you've got so many cases of them of players speaking um, to the poor players while they arrive. So. You can go back. The first example I had was Wijnaldum and John Joe Shelby. A little bit lower scale, granted. When you're obviously moving from Newcastle to Liverpool, you had Firmino spoke to Alisson. Um, spoke to Alisson and Fabinho. Cater spoke to Mane. Obviously, they played together at Salzburg. Oxlade-Chamberlain spoke to Henderson and Sturridge. This is actually quite a common a common mm-hmm. part of recruitment. Yeah. So it's, it's one of them where he's also laugh, but I actually think it holds quite a bit of weight. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's remarkable just seeing them out and about, isn't it? I mean, you know, going for breakfast, all that kind of stuff. There, um, Trent was interviewed on the Five Live podcast with uh, Emma um, Emma Sanders, and she was a bit uh, t- tongue in cheek, wasn't it? About um, yeah, 
what was he of the uh yeah he said the, i've just gone for yeah. a walk just gone for yeah, a walk with a mate yeah. or something yeah <laughs> yeah just just going for a walk um but yeah so to go back to the, what why liverpool have the lure um to jude bellingham I, I i think as you say he likes the idea of being a central figure and i think you could argue just to go back to my jack realish point because he cost £100 million and hasn't made himself undroppable at Manchester City, that might be a little element of doubt to Jude Bellingham in that he knows that he would be a massive, massive figure at Liverpool. He knows he would be contributing something to Liverpool that Liverpool don't really have in that position. And you mentioned about the the, the midfield Henderson playing on the right side, um, for example, but Jude Bellingham played on the left side against Senegal and, and put in a brilliant display and, and obviously could have back for Henderson to, to score the opening goal. And as well, if we're talking about the left centre mid position, Thiago is amazing in that role, but injuries are a, are a concern for him. Yeah. Um, so the, the, there's several factors, of course, when, when we talk about Jurgen Klopp as well, um, you know, it, it, make, it makes you want to run through a brick wall. And that, that's what I get when every, when every player, when I hear them talking in, in early interviews saying of the, the law of Jurgen Klopp, the, the appeal of working with Jurgen Klopp. And I just think Jude Bellingham is just someone that would just go from strength to strength under him. Um, I think he knows, he knows as well what he's good at. And I think he knows he'd contribute that well to Liverpool because Jude Bellingham as well. I know we've, we've talked a lot about his attacking game. Is there a bo- is there a better box to box player that you could think of right now? Maybe the likes of Chua many players like that, but I just think Jude Bellingham in that full pretty much 100 yards plus of the central areas of the pitch. I really don't think there's that many better and it's 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 funny because uh, the the Birmingham news tweet got banded around a lot the other day um obviously when um he retired his shirt number birmingham uh or they, they retired the shirt number rather and do, do you remember your reaction dave when i saw because i mean when i think when we all saw them retiring their shirt number for a teenager we all kind of thought hey but i think that yeah. we maybe understand it a bit more yeah it seemed like the most small club mentality th- thing that they could possibly do at the time and now it's like he could go down as you know, no sugar coat in it, and he is only 19. He could go down as one of the, the best midfield players the country's ever seen, realistically. Yeah. I saw, I think, Henry Jackson tweeted the other day that, and obviously I wasn't around at the time, so I can't really say, but he reckons that Bellingham's better now than, than Gerard and, and Lampard were at that age, and I can't imagine Gerard and Lampard were playing this well as a teenager. That's what Ferdinand says, isn't it? He's, he's a big advocate of that, Rio Ferdinand, saying that what he is doing now, Gerard Lampard's goals, they weren't doing that. He looks like, you know, the thing with Bellingham is people say, you know, how good is he going to be, you know, when he's in his prime, you know, 25, 26. But like, I'm not being funny. If he stays as good as he is now with the rest <laughs> of his career, then I don't think he's going to have any problems. And I don't think he's going to be sort of um, facing much criticism for that because the thought of him having a higher ceiling than what he's showing now is really scary. Um, and I want to talk about how we'd sort of, our sort of excitement levels, um, maybe towards the end of the podcast. But I think one thing it's worth mentioning is, you know, Liverpool 
kind of lost out on Shumani. And there's varying accounts of what happened with that. It's like some people say Real Madrid um, simply wanted to pay a lot more money to Liverpool, which is definitely believable um, in the context of FSG. But there's also, you know, quotes from him where he says, as soon as Liverpool were interested in me, but as soon as Real Madrid came in, you know, that was it for me. I think with Bellingham coming from England and going out to Germany, I don't think Real Madrid have as strong an allure for English players as they do for um, players from other countries in Europe. I think that's part of it. And I also reckon that while Real Madrid are, in my opinion, the biggest club in the world, you know, the Premier League right now is where the best players are, where the best managers are, and the best quality of football is, and where, where the most money is too. You know, and that's probably the reason for all the factors I just mentioned. But it almost feels like the end point now for a player. It's like Real Madrid, maybe, and maybe Barcelona. But other than that, it's like you feel like you want to get to the Premier League. Um, I think so. And I think Bellingham won't be the last sort of um, rising superstar to go there. I think when Kylian Mbappe's contract expires in um, a few years' time or slightly before that, it'll be interesting to see whether he makes the move to Real or, or whether he ends up in the Premier League as well. But that's obviously a discussion for another day. Staying on Bellingham and, and the persuasion effort, um, Christian Falk, um, and a lot of these quotes I should say as well, didn't say this earlier, from a an interview did with the Anfield rap, um, which a lot of good stuff has come out of. Um, but apparently Liverpool have, have been able to sort of sway um, Bellingham's mum and dad. Um, and also Real Madrid have now been told that Bellingham's very, very far along the line um, in terms of a move to Anfield. The whole thing with his parents I think is quite significant. I think they play a huge role Um Liverpool actually invited Bellingham up to their training ground um, when he was a young player um, and tried to convince the whole family to, to resettle on Merseyside but couldn't do it. So how different things might have been if they'd um, managed to secure and then they would have saved, be saving themselves about 130 million, uh, potentially. Um, if Liverpool do win the race though, Chris, how much, you know, they've got to get a massive amount of credit, haven't they, for putting in all this legwork to convince them because it's, it's a properly generational transfer battle. If Liverpool win the battle for Jude Bellingham, just wow, <laughs> really. Yeah. Uh, you know, given everything that's gone on the start of the season, and look, we are obviously obviously very close to the restart, and I think Liverpool need to really, really come out the blocks flying when when the restart happens, because I know we're saying, or you said at the very start, that Jude Bellingham would be happy to come to Liverpool even without Champions League football but I think he'd be a lot happier to come with um, and I think it, it, it's a big factor for Liverpool of course you know, we, we'll wait and see um, what is you know, the, the impact of the break of course I know we, talk, we can talk about um, Diaz of course being back in training, Salah having a break Robertson having a break but then the likes of City Haaland having a break, but then you know, Arsenal, Jesus has picked up an injury. So there's there's so many things that have happened over the last month. And we'll wait and see what it's re- what really kicks in. Because as well, I think it'd be interesting to see the implications of getting to the World Cup final as well. I, I think at Brazil stand a very good chance of that. And so will Kelleher start the restart, for for example. But that that's all mm-hmm. discussions for another day. Um, yeah, it, it, it would be remarkable 
at Liverpool won the race for Jude Bellingham, and I mean that just because I have seen I've seen a lot of him, and I've seen enough to be convinced. Because a lot of players, you can kind of see one or two performances and jump on the bandwagon, can't you? Um, but I've seen more than enough, more than enough that I need to see um, for for Jude Bellingham, and it would be quite surreal, really, because. Certainly, what maybe after the Forest game, definitely after the Leeds game, I was sat there thinking there isn't a chance of this. Um, so for all these revelations to come about, and you know, we, we are talking a lot of journalists you can maybe take with a pinch of salt, but we're talking about someone who, not quite Fabrizio Romano levels, but someone who is very, very reliable, and you know, when when we see Fabrizio with. Jude Bellingham to Liverpool, here we go, then it might start to feel yeah. a little bit more real. But um, yes, it, it would be ridiculously incredible, to be honest. And that that's the original reaction, because as well, I, I want to kind of counterpoint that by saying what I said on the last podcast, we were talking about you know, ownership and everything like that. Every signing comes with a risk. And yeah. I, I'm basically repeating myself here. Every signing comes with a risk. Every signing could be absolutely amazing. Every signing could be absolutely awful. It's on the players themselves to justify that and justify the hype around them. I have no doubt whichever club Jude Bellingham goes to, his attitude will take over. And his attitude is incredibly professional for a man of his age. I I get that impression from him. I get that impression in terms of how he comes across his mannerisms. And I think he knows he can only get to the top by working so hard. And he's already got to an extremely high level, but he wants to get even higher. And he knows only he can affect that. And I think that's that's something really impressive from Jude Bellingham. And look, as I say, every signing comes with its own risks. But then you could say, oh, what, why bother signing anyone anyway if they're going to be a risk? So, yes, every signing is a risk, especially when it's more pricey. But... They're also more exciting. Let's not deny it. Yeah, and as well with Bellingham, it's like obviously the, the finances involved um, would, would make it ostensibly very risky. But it's one of them where it's like there don't seem to be many kind of safer bets about in terms of getting the the um, return on that investment. And um, there's two elements really, isn't there? And to to get to the uh, Fabrizio Romano, here we go stage. That does have to be that long-term process um, in terms of convincing the player. And to Liverpool's credit, I think whilst we're seeing all this now, I, I think this is the result of a very um, deliberate plan to get up to, to this point. Um, because when Bellingham really kind of emerged at Dortmund and started, and everyone started to realise like, how special he was um, playing at that level, um, it becomes a case of we know he's going to go, he's going to leave Dortmund, but when is that going to be? And what can we do to prepare for that? So increasingly it becomes clear that Dortmund wants to keep him. Um, I think this is his third season now there. Um, it's like they're probably going to let him go after three seasons. All right, well, let's see. Let's have 2023 as our target. What can we do before then? But none of that matters, frankly, if Liverpool don't agree the fee with Borussia Dortmund. And there's been conflicting reports about that. Um, Matteo Moretto says Liverpool will invest everything in Jude Bellingham. 
willing to pay up to 150 million euros. Um, and then you've got Christian Falk, who've obviously mentioned quite a bit, who says that the only problem could be money because there's currently a 50 million euro uh, gap in the valuations of the two clubs, which sounds very Liverpool. Um, and a lot of the time they have been able to negotiate those gaps down quite well. But maybe in this case, if Dortmund can say, well, if you're not going to pay, you know, we've got certainly a couple of other clubs who will. So how worried are you about Liverpool um, meeting Dortmund's demands and that being the thing that, that saws the deal? Because there's a couple of ways you could look at it. We aren't a club who has ever made a, a nine-figure signing. Um, we aren't a club who, I mean, 130 million is probably what a lot of people would expect a club to to spend it in a good transfer window. This is on one player. Um, so it would be very much breaking the trend um, of, of frugality. Um, and it'd be like, have we sort of been saving up potentially? But on the other hand, like I said, 19 years old, in an ideal world, there's up to 15 years of elite service for you there. Um, and you, that money kind of ultimately gets paid back and you, you've sorted that position really for a whole generation. Um, so how do you think Liverpool are going to approach this financially? Because that has to be, especially now, the biggest question mark. I think if Jurgen Klopp's got the biggest say, I think it's more likely to happen than not. I think what what will happen if Liverpool make the signing is the tag of do you know what I mean? The tag of uh, a club that can't spend the likes of Manchester City and that. I think that tag yeah. will probably have to go because ultimately, I'm not saying Liverpool can spend that money on every single player, but for Liverpool to be able to make a signing of that magnitude, it would have to kind of shelve that ideal, really. Yeah. Um, and I think I think oh, that that's just something we'd have to accept. And there couldn't be any of the whole uh, we've got no money, but the Reds will still win the league chance. I think that would definitely have to be uh, <laughs> that would definitely have to be put to one side uh, and uh, and shut away. But I think where there's a will, there's a way, and. There's no secret that Jude Bellingham is Liverpool's number one target. It's very interesting as well that um, other midfielders have been mentioned, particularly Amrabat as well, and he he was phenomenal um, against uh, against Spain the other night for Morocco as well. And he's much more of a physical midfielder, a bit more of a Fabinho type, isn't he? So whether that's a January move, for example, a loan with an option to buy, those kind of things. But again, you can't imagine he'd come cheap after his performance. <laughs> Performances, rather, um, during the World Cup in Morocco have been uh, fantastic defensively. So I think he's not an alternative to G. Bellingham, but I think there are ideas of Liverpool bolstering their midfield quite drastically over the next year or so. Not just with Oxlade-Chamberlain and Naby Keita, potentially James Milner leaving, but I've said for ages that Liverpool don't have a proper backup to Fabinho. Um, Amrabat could well be that uh, kind of player. But focusing on um, like the, the money involved with Bellingham, it, it, you know, it would be a phenomenal amount, amount that we haven't seen Liverpool spend before. We haven't seen Liverpool even close to spending before. But if negotiations are done properly, you can imagine that it wouldn't all be in one chunk. I'd be amazed if it was 130-odd million pounds in one chunk. 
but uh, that that's where the old football manager installments come into it, isn't it? Um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. But I, I, if Jurgen Klopp is fully involved, and he has the biggest voice of the club, I think there is more likely of a chance of it happening or not. And I I would imagine the finances would get resolved one way or another. Yeah, you've got to consider the context as as well with you know who's got the authority now. I suppose we'll we'll have to get a um a finance expert on the podcast to um, break mm. down how, how Liverpool can afford Bellingham and obviously whether they can. In terms of what you're saying about one of the biggest signings ever, if it was to be 150 million, I think we've just quoted there, um, that would be the third biggest transfer in the history of football. Um, Neymar, Neymar and Mbappe. Neymar and Mbappe, the first two. Yeah. Um, in the interest of trivia, can you name three to five? Philippe Coutinho. Is fourth, yeah. He's fourth. Wow. He's fourth. Yeah, there's someone just above him, which actually doesn't. It does actually involve Dortmund, um, to transfer in third. Maybe a forgotten one. Oh, you are putting me on the spot, man. <laughs> yeah. Don't, know, don't normally do um, this, but Joao Felix. Yeah, he's fifth. So they're just missing the guy in third. Oh also, my. Also starring at the World Cup. At Star- the moment. Starring at the World Cup and involved with Dortmund. Oh, I'm going to be kicking myself here one way or another. Go on, right? Go on, we're, 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 we're rushed for time. Go on, go on. Usman Dembele. Oh, yeah. of course. Which, oh. Everyone overlooks the um, yeah. the sheer panic with the Neymar replacement, but obviously yeah. mixed results with that one. But yeah. um, just to finish off, um, the thing with Bellingham is, he is only one player. Liverpool's midfield problems run quite deep. He alone might not be able to fix them, regardless of how good he is. So, how important is it that Liverpool not only sign him, but make another, at least one more quality addition to that midfield? And is it worth signing Bellingham, do you think, if it means Liverpool can't sign anybody else? I think they are factors the club will have considered. I mentioned Amrabat there. You know, he wouldn't exactly come cheap, but he's the kind of quality of player I think that would improve Liverpool's midfield. I think anyway, when you consider the players out of contract, I think it was going to be at least three midfielders in 2023, whether that's January or just the summer or or both combined. Um, what, to answer your question, is it signing Jude? Is it worth signing Jude Bellingham? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I say that because, to reiterate, I don't think the club would be looking at him as much as they are if there wasn't a plan around him. Because they, look, if you're involved with the football club, you know one sign doesn't change it, doesn't change everything. And there must be targets. You know, if, if Bellingham happens, there'll be other targets around him. If not, hopefully there'll be you know, uh, alternatives, for example. Um, but to- I, I, I totally agree. Um, I think as well, it is worth mentioning that, like you know, Curtis Jones has just signed a new long-term contract, and we we haven't seen the best of him because of his inconsistency in terms of availability. I'm a big fan of Curtis Jones, and I think he's got a lot of ability. We're seeing Harvey Elliott. Can he command a proper midfield position in 2023? Can he really have an impact that could complement Jude Bellingham? Because as much as Thiago Alcantara is 
certainly better than most of the Spanish midfielders that they took to the World Cup. Um, his injuries stop him being that phenomenal, phenomenal force for Liverpool. Um, and instead, he's just phenomenal. So I would imagine the club have a structure in place. I would like to think they do anyway. Um, to allow Jude Bellingham to come in alongside others, because I to- I can't agree with you more on that, Dave, where Liverpool's midfield has looked so tired at times this season. And 2023, I've been saying it for a year or two, to be honest, but 2023 has to be the rejuvenation year for Liverpool's midfield. And maybe the, the team more, more generally as well. One interesting thing on that is, in terms of selling the, the club to Bellingham, um, would he even want to join it if he wasn't being told that, listen, we're going to rebuild this team next year? Because for me, obviously he's at the forefront of it, but if I'm Bellingham, I'm thinking, if I'm going to win a Premier League, a Champions League, etc. at Liverpool, I, you know, I need to be at the centre of kind of the next great team, if you know what I mean. Like, almost you have to accept that you alone wouldn't be enough to do that. And I think in terms of convincing a sort of entourage of the project, there needs to be that plan in place, like you say, um, to attract them. And hopefully there is. But this was an interesting one that I saw on, on Twitter yesterday. Um, I, I've got an inkling of what your answer might be based on what you said there. But it was 52% in favour of Bellingham. Um, so very close. If you could choose between signing Enzo Fernandez and Moises Caicedo or signing Jude Bellingham and Sofyan Amrabat, you've just mentioned there as well, which pairing would you choose? Jude Bellingham and Sofyan Amrabat. No hesitation whatsoever. Not, not for me. I mean, so you, you mentioned there Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez. For me, I'm seeing more of a dedicate. I'm seeing with with, with Bellingham and Amrabat. I'm seeing two players dedicated to their two roles. Yeah. For the other two, maybe bit of, being a bit, being interchangeable. I, I think. Bit of overlap. It's not, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it's not a bad thing at all. But as well, Caicedo. You know, we, I don't think we're talking an awful lot of difference in price there, considering we're Brighton one for for Caicedo. Because they want yeah. mega bucks. Yeah, you are right, I suppose. Um, and Fernandez has, has got a 100 million release clause, and Benfica, so soon after uh, buying him, won't be too um, too interested in selling them for, for much below that. Um, I, I, it, I can't I can't say I've seen an awful lot of Fernandez, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Of course, he scores an amazing goal against Mexico, but I can't say that I'm an expert on him, whereas I have seen a bit more of Amrabat, mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot more of Bellingham. <laughs> so... And Amrabat is one that we might be coming back to because a lot of noise this week about Liverpool moving for him in January potentially to um, provide cover and competition for Fabinho. Um, so we'll see. And obviously, if that one does happen, then we'll have a dedicated episode on him. But yeah, last question, Chris. Emotional investments in this transfer now. How excited would you be if it happened? How devastated would you be if he ends up going somewhere else? What a question. <laughs> Saving the best till last. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really trying to keep my feet on the ground. I really am. Because the the Champions League quote, which we discussed, that was the kind of one for me that raised my eyebrows a lot. Because 
look, if 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 you, I, I said as well, if you offered you know, Real Madrid, they could have. Imagine a Jude Bellingham, Eduardo Camavinga, and a really insure many midfields. That's them sorted for ten years. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that, that's a good few Champions Leagues in the bag as well. Oh yeah, at least. Um, so I I am trying to keep my feet on the ground just because it does feel a little bit too good to be true right now. Mm-hmm. But you know I've I've been encouraged by how I've seen um, Bellingham treated by Alexander Arnold and Henderson, and I, I don't think I don't think they're doing it as well just for the sake of trying to get him to Liverpool. I think they are genuinely trying to be friendly to him around the camp and I, I think that helps out you know uh, you mentioned about the next great Liverpool team but the way Jude Bellingham was talked about Jordan Henderson especially after the Senegal game that tells me that he's inspired by the Liverpool of now as well not just the potential Liverpool of the future so yeah it, it, it's so strange just because it, it all happens so fast and you were seeing a different court every two three minutes um, so it's a lot to take in We'll, we might find out maybe a bit more in January, those kind of things. Of course, the whole Fabio Carvalho um, happened on deadline day last year. I'm not saying Jude Bellingham will be uh, that, that dramatic. I fully expect it to be more of a summer transfer than anything to happen in the winter. But yes, it is an exciting prospect. But again, try not to get too excited because these things can go pear-shaped rather quickly. So yes, uh, incredible, incredible talent and we'll see because I'll, I'll be following his career wherever but hopefully at Liverpool yeah a lot of work to be done still and if he does end up joining a uh, another team especially Manchester City it, it's going to be absolutely heartbreaking to be fair and obviously Liverpool will sign someone else instead but they will be, be in Bellingham's shadow for basically the rest of, of their careers not necessarily saying they won't um, be world class in their own right just in terms of it's always going to be they were the Bellingham alternative, they were the plan B almost, um, which I think is an interesting dynamic. And yeah, I, I honestly think that if we do sign them, it'll be the transfer I'm most excited about. Um, I can't remember any that would sort of um, get me as hyped as that one would. But Dortmund up, up against Chelsea in the round of 16, if they, if they go out of the competition then and if they're in that kind of, Limbo, they usually find themselves in in the Bundesliga where they're going to finish the top four, but they're nowhere near Bayern Munich. Granted, at the moment, they have a little bit of work to do, but they improve second half of the season and um, it looks like a pretty much the season's just kind of coasting to a finish. Then I think you might see an earlier resolution to, to Bellingham Saga than having to wait for necessarily the summer. But yeah, like, as, like I say, we will be reacting to every development over the next few months. So yeah. Liverpool back in action um, in Dubai soon as well. So we'll hopefully um, have some content about that for you. But hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you're ready to go along for the emotional ride. But until the next one, take care.